developing an artist means figuring out everything about that artist and figuring out how to package that artist. What parts of the store of that artist's story is interesting? Now that we've locked in on that, let, let's start selling that. Okay. What does this artist look like? What type of clothes are there? What's their style? Do they wear only a certain color? Like if I say, hey, I just wear white and black, people are gonna be like, okay, whatever. But for some reason, because it's an artist, that's automatically like a selling point. Then most importantly, everything starts with the music. You know, the artists may come in and, and maybe they need vocal training. Maybe they don't. Figuring out their stage presence, figuring out their music. It's all of the things that can make an artist an artist. You kind of just strip it to the core and just start to build that up. The number one thing that I'm looking for is do you have a vision for yourself? And if you have a vision for yourself, cool, explain mm -hmm. it to me, and then let's work on it. Let's build it. Maybe I could help you refine it, or maybe the vision is just perfect. And then number two, the team. What kind of team do they have? Because again, I know that I'm willing to put in the work and to to do all the things that need to be done from my perspective, mm -hmm. but the other people that I'm going to be working with, are they willing to do what it takes to get you to the next level? Do they have the skill set? Do they have the knowledge base? Do they have the resources? Do they have the relationships? Vision, team, I, all of that mixed in with, obviously, you got to be a fan of the music because the music is the first thing that you hear. You say, okay, I like this artist. I'm interested in seeing what they're about. And then that's when you get into the other things. You check under the hood and you start to find out, okay, is this something that I want to work with? This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out DistroKid.com. <laughs> What's going on? Welcome to the New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book, third edition, coming out later this year. Look out for that. Today, my guest is Benoni. He is the president of Radio, that's spelled R-A-E-D-I-O. They are a new music uh, company that specializes in sync licensing. They're also a record label. They have a music library for sync as well and most of our conversation kind of revolved around uh their mission and and what their focuses are when it comes to sync licensing and developing artists on their roster we talk about songwriting camps and how they structure their songwriting camps benoni got his start uh alongside Issa ray developing the hit hbo show insecure if you haven't ever watched that show you should probably this should be the next show that you binge uh, unfortunately the show has ended after many seasons but it was one of my favorite shows and insecure was known for their music and they were breaking artists left and right one of the most influential shows in the music space in the last 10 years or so. So we talk about how he got started with that and the focus of music in Insecure, but also all the other shows that they're working on and just um, how they go about artist development as well. As always, you can follow us at Ari's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 
You can find uh, radio at The Radio on Instagram. Find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram and Twitter. Head over to Ari'sTake.com. Get on that email list. That's where you're going to get all the most important information about the new music business and notified about future podcast episodes and everything else please like follow subscribe to this show is this if this is your first time listening to the show just pause it real quick hit that follow button that subscribe button you'll get notified however you're listening to this every time we have a new episode and leave us a five-star review if you can on spotify and apple podcast those really help so if you could head on over there just leave that five-star review and if you're on youtube let us know what you think i like reading the comments all right let's kick into the show Tony, welcome to the show thanks for having me i appreciate it totally uh so where are you based where are you coming to me from today so I am based in Los Angeles at the moment. Ah, cool. We're neighbors. Uh, it's funny yeah. that like, after, you know, post-COVID, it's kind of like, even if we are in the same city, I think everything is done this way now over Zoom. And, and it's, uh, I, you could be literally next door to me and we probably wouldn't even know and probably still would have done over Zoom because uh, why, why walk outside anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, no, being on Zoom is such a thing now where it's like, yeah. I mean, although some people are starting to open up and say, hey, let's meet up in person. But, you know, you get more more meetings done during Zoom, that's for sure. Definitely. Um, and But I have to say, it was so nice being down at South By and actually being amongst human beings again and, and feeling that energy. And then also in Vegas for the Grammys and just like being around people. It was uh, desperately missed. So I'm glad that some of that's coming back at least. No, that's awesome that you got a chance to do that. I, I haven't been to South By in a long time. That was like one of the first music things I ever did. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I didn't go to, I'm from Vegas originally, so I'm actually that's kicking right. myself that I didn't make it <laughs> to the Grammys this year. But oh, I'll be man. there next year for sure. Definitely. I hope they bring it back to Vegas. It was actually kind of cool to be there outside of L.A. or New York where they normally have it. Uh, I got to catch Silk Sonic on Saturday night, which was one of the greatest shows of my life. If you can see the show, definitely go out and see Silk Sonic. It was out of control. Did they have any like guest appearances? Because that was like the big rumor. You know... In the house, like BTS was sitting a few rows from us and a few other wow. people were, were in the house. But uh, no, the show was tight start to finish. It was their Vegas show. I mean, you know, yeah. Anderson had his like Rick James uh, wig or haircut or whatever that is going. Yeah. And uh, they had like dance. I mean, Anderson was dancing. I've never seen him dance. But I didn't even know he could. I mean, you know, it's it was him and Bruno and then two backup singers. And they look like the Temptations up there. And the horns were just monster. It was incredible. It was such a great oh, show. That sounds yeah. fire. Yeah, I was supposed to go to that <laughs> show, too. But I'm, I'm going to yeah. make it. They got a couple of dates in in a month or so. So I'm going to make that happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So uh, I'm so curious uh, of everything you're working on right now i mean reading your bio and just trying to go through the history of what you've been working on in just the music space alone over the last uh 10 15 years my head was spinning um so i want to kind of focus it a little bit because some of the most intriguing things that you're working on we're going to get to radio in a bit but you know we we talk a lot about music supervision uh i interviewed a lot of music supervisors on the show um sync agent all of that and uh, you've been working very closely with Issa Rae uh, for many years, all the way back to when, even before Insecure um, on the um, Tales of the Awkward Black Girl um, series. And music is such a driving force of that show and everything she does. But really, you know, watching Insecure, I mean, I just have my phone, my Shazam open the entire, every episode. I'm just like, it has some of the best music. And, uh, and it really breaks a lot of artists. And what's so cool 
I mean, artists of every level is featured um, on that show. Sadly, the show's over now. But I'm I'm curious. Um, I want to kind of start there and your your um, kind of your involvement uh, from the beginning with Issa and the focus that music has kind of played um, with kind of uh, everything that you've done in the music supervi- supervising space with all the other shows that I know that you've worked on and all the so many productions that you've been a part of. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the with everything that Issa does, music has always been a focus point to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Insecure, we wanted to make sure that music was a character in the show. But even to take a step back, when you talk about Awkward Black Girl, you know, Issa always says that the show can be trash, but the music needs to be fire, right? And so <laughs> the music, even on Awkward Black Girl, was a focus point of ours as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, we didn't really know about uh, music supervisors and we didn't know about really clearing I mean we knew about clearing songs but we didn't really go about clearing songs you know we kind of yeah. just threw it in the show and said you know hope for the best and hope we don't get a copyright strike um <laughs> but but yeah that was kind of the, the gist of it and then even through that Issa's always kind of played around with rapping and, and just making music she never took it serious but she's always had fun with it mm-hmm. and so we would do she would record original songs we would place those songs in the show Mm-hmm. And then we would go and like try to release those songs as singles. And at one point we actually came out with a mixtape type of soundtrack type of thing um, for Awkward Black Girl. So music has always kind of been, for Issa, has always kind of been in the background and always something that she's played with. For mm-hmm. me, um, you know, like I said, I started off in Vegas and I, uh, I was at a place where, you know, I knew that I wanted to, be in the music industry, but I wasn't, I wasn't around anybody that I could look up to in the music industry. Sure. Music industry was largely LA, New York, you know, Nashville, Chicago, et cetera. And so I got to a point where I'm running around, I'm managing artists, I'm starting a record label in Vegas. And it got to a point where it's like, okay, if I want to take this to the next level, I need to move to LA. I mean, there's a couple Mm -hmm. other options outside of LA, but Mm -hmm. for me, it was like, LA is the easiest. It's four hours away. I could hop on the freeway, boom, boom, I'm done, right? Mm-hmm. And so I moved to LA and um, I went to a school called Musicians Institute and I studied the music business program there. Sure. And, um, you know, just there, I not only learned a lot, made a lot, met a lot of great people. And through that experience, I got an internship with the Jonas Brothers. Mm-hmm. So I started interning with them. Eventually, um, they helped me get a job at AEG. I was doing uh, VIP concert packaging. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that for a little bit, uh, working with you know, Justin Bieber, Ricardo Arjona, Pitbull, Black Eyed Peas. Um, did that for a little bit. Then I got a phone call from the Jonas Brothers management, and they're just like, hey, um, you know, the Jonas Brothers are about to go on tour. They need an assistant. Is there anyone? Uh, are you interested in doing it? And mm-hmm. you know, it was just a tremendous opportunity. Tremendous opportunity from an experience standpoint, from a financial standpoint, and from a oh, my dreams are coming true of being able to be <laughs> in the music industry standpoint. Yeah. Um, so started doing that with them, and you know, was their assistant. Eventually, was on their day to day management team, and. In that time, I started tour managing. I tour managed a group named Mindless Behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did that for a summer. Um, And just running around managing artists. But in this whole time of running around with the Jonas Brothers, I'm working with Issa on the side, right? Uh, And so- How did the two of you meet initially? Oh, we just had mutual friends. And I just went to her and I just said, hey, I see what you're doing. This is early on for Awkward Black Girl. I said, I see what you're doing. Here's how I could help. Here's how, mm-hmm. here's how I could be a value add. Um, 
And so we and started Oscar Black Girl at the time, just for people that aren't familiar, this was just a, a YouTube series. It didn't have uh, distribution or anything. This is the, the, the series that was then essentially uh, sold to HBO and pitched rather to HBO to turn into uh, the hit show Insecure. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. yeah, it's a, it's a very big YouTube show at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just helping her just with behind the scenes stuff. I'm helping her with social media things, helping her just with business, business strategy. Uh-huh. And over the years that, like you said, Awkward Black Girl became Insecure. Mm-hmm. And when we went to Insecure on HBO, you know, that's premium main event you know, entertainment industry stuff. Yep. And so um, the music and the show was such a character. It was, we focused on making it a character to where artists were getting broken from the, sh- like artists were, uh, we were breaking artists from the show. Yep. Um, record labels were seeing a huge uptick from the night they were on Insecure on Sunday night, Monday, there's a noticeable difference in streams, right? Yep. And so a lot of people were approaching Issa to be an artist and she was like, uh, no, I don't want to be an artist. But then we started shifting the conversation and just being about, okay, if we're going to do this, we'll do a joint venture label and we want to go out and sign artists. Mm. And that was the idea behind radio to be able to, it, the original idea was to be a label, but then we were like, well, music supervision is a very important piece because if we sign the artist, then we want to be able to feature that artist on a TV show, a film, or a brand mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. situation that we're working on. And so we said, okay, we're going to be an audio everywhere company. And the basis of that, the meaning of that is that we want to exist wherever audio exists. So if you mm. get on the elevator and there's music playing on the elevator, we want to be programming the music. If you get on a TV, sh- if you watch your favorite TV show and you hear the music, we want to be the music supervisors for it. And if you go on Spotify and you pick your favorite artist, we want that artist to be signed to us. Gotcha. And so that was kind of the the uh, the idea of the company. And, mm-hmm. you know, we started in 2019. And since then, we've gone on to do, you know, we've programmed the music for New York Fashion Week. We came out with the official playlist for the Biden and Harris inauguration. On the music supervision side, we do shows like P-Valley, Love and Hip Hop, Power, and just like that on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple film projects. We've worked with every network, every studio work with Google, work with Nike. So it kind of runs the gamut. So that's kind of a, some, um, sure. my best way of summarizing from basically, you know, 2009 mm-hmm. to what, what are year 2022 that we're in? Yeah. <laughs> so right on. That's great. And thank you for all of that. So, um, I mean, audio everywhere, uh, it makes a lot more sense now. I've been seeing that tagline um, and, and I didn't quite grasp it, but that that makes a lot of sense. So specifically with like the music supervision side. So you said uh, these shows like uh, P-Valley, Love and Hip Hop uh, and just like that. Um, are you act? Are you the acting music supervisor or is radio kind of contracting music supervisors and you're almost essentially like the music supervision agency? for these shows? Yeah, it's more of the latter. We're we're the um, music supervision agency, if you will. So we have four music supervisors on our team. It's led by a woman by the name of Stephanie Diaz Matos, Mm -hmm. uh, who runs it. Um, And so what happens is we get a project and Stephanie may work on a project or one of our three other music supervisors will work on a project. And a lot of times, you know, maybe they'll, if the project is, if it's a lot of work, if it's a lot of original music, depending on the type of project, maybe two of our music supervisors will work on it. So mm-hmm. is Benoni the actual music supervisor for any of the projects? No, I am not. But um, but yeah, I have a team that, that does all of that. Cool. 
And what goes, do all these other shows have a similar philosophy uh, that you all have with Insecure in that music is uh, almost a character uh, on the show? It's it's a, a driving force. And, and what is the role, I guess, what is kind of the, the radio um, stamp uh, in why would someone bring in radio to music supervise a show? Yeah, I, I would say that not every show has that ideology where music needs to be a character because you know quite frankly some shows they don't need music to be a character sure. and and a lot of shows oh, you know music is an afterthought it's like okay it's beautifully shot we casted mm-hmm. the right people we got the right director oh yeah what are we gonna do about music let's let's throw <laughs> right. that in right <laughs> and so so you know and it's to each his own everybody has yep. their way of doing things for Issa she was very particular about making music a thing and you know for P Valley, Katori has been very, you know, uh, on top of it about for my show, I want music to be a thing. Yes. Love and Hip Hop, Viacom came to us and they said, let's make music a thing. Cool. And so, um, so yeah, so that that's, uh, it's kind of like, it just depends. It's a case by case. But in terms of the radio stamp, you know, when you're hiring radio, you know, yeah. you're hiring a team that just has taste that I believe is just impeccable. Mm-hmm. Um, we know who's who from the biggest and best artists to the artists that you haven't heard of, but the music is, is on point. Um, if we don't, if we're not able to find the music that already exists, we'll reach out to artists, we'll reach out to composers and we'll go and create the music. So we mm. do a lot of original music creation. Um, yeah. We've done multiple seasons of the Insecure soundtrack. We have another soundtrack coming out for uh, this show called Rap Shit. That's another show on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can do that. Our writing camps, you know, I, I believe our writing camps are second to none mm-hmm. um, because, you know, a lot of times writing camps have a bad stigma. A lot of artists and, and writers and producers don't want to go to writing camps because you go to a writing camp, maybe you're not going to be treated fairly. And once you go to that writing camp, let's just say you do it over a weekend, you take all that music and it's a toss up if that music is going to go anywhere. Right. Sure. And with us, it's kind of like a more surefire bit. It's like, if you go to a radio writing camp, mm-hmm. then the odds of your music actually going somewhere is high because we're the music supervisors, we're throwing the writing camp. And a lot of times it's a disjointed process. You might have the publishing company throwing the writing camp. Right. And you go, you contribute your talents to it. And then that publishing company then has to go and pitch to the music supervision company and hope right. that they land something. Mm-hmm. Whereas with us, it's kind of all uh, synergistic in a way where it's not multiple people that we have to talk to. We just made it as streamlined as possible. And who do you invite to these writing camps? Uh, for the writing camps, it just depends on what the objective is. But, you know, we'll go out and we'll, we'll invite writers and producers and artists. Okay. Um, not just the radio client, not just the artists that are signed to radio? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I mean, a big part of our of our um, of our of our way of thinking is we want to be agnostic as possible, and okay. um, we want to be a service provider to mm. the industry, right? Mm. You know, I think a lot of people come into the music industry, come into a lot of industries, quite frankly, and just take resources from that industry. Sure. For us, we were like, we want to provide opportunities. So, yes, mm. do we have people that are affiliated contractually to radio? Absolutely, but that's probably 10% of the attendance. The other 90% sure. are people that we have no real ties or affiliation to. We just think that their music is great and we wanted mm-hmm. to invite them to the camp. And explain to me and people listening uh, how 
these writing camps work or specifically how the radio writing camps work for someone who's completely unfamiliar with what a writing camp even is? What does that mean? Yeah, so a writing camp, um, you know, is basically like sometimes you'll get a show and the show has a very specific soundscape, a very specific type of music that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Again, you can go out and you can say, hey, guy, you can put up, put together a brief. A brief is um, it's, it's basically a one sheet and it says, hey, this is the show. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, this is what the show is about. This is the type of music we're looking for. These are songs that already exist that we're looking for music um, like that. Mm-hmm. Or it'll even have lyric starters. It'll say something like, you know, um, hey, you know, the lyric needs to say, I'm so in love with you, baby. And then okay. the artist needs to figure out what the rest is, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a brief. Um, so you can send that brief out and people can email you things. But a lot of times there's nothing better than bringing everybody together and in person, you know, throwing a writing camp. So you you invite songwriters, you invite producers, and then you have to be strategic about it. You have to get songwriters that you think will work with this producer and that producer. Mm-hmm. You bring them in. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll show a scene and we'll say, hey, for this scene, character A and character B this is what's happening, um, you know, listen to the dialogue and create a song around that moment. So then you'll go off and you'll create that song. Um, the thing that's different about our writing camps is one catering. I know that sounds silly, but that's the, that's one of the main Great. things. Great. Feed your talent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, right. we have catering. So, great. and the food is always incredible. You got to check it out next time. Um, Love to. But yeah, we have catering. Um, mm-hmm. We usually have an open bar situation. We've had great alcohol sponsors. So there's like an open bar situation nice. going on. There's usually a happy hour. Um, nice. And then at the end of the camp, we pass out awards for the best songwriter, best uh, best rapper, best, uh, cool. best singer. So yeah. it's just this place where everybody comes to create music for a show that we're working on. That's great. I've never heard of um, songs created directly for a scene. That's typically what the composer of the show would do is they would uh, score scenes and then the music supervisor and the editor would place uh, songs that are already in existence for other scenes. Uh, But you kind of take that a step further and combine the two where the show is essentially finished and and you need the music placed uh for certain scenes and so they can actually write directly for the scene almost like how a composer would would operate exactly yeah cool. so it's like a it's like a very bespoke process you know mm-hmm. if you're a showrunner or creator for a show you know you might have a certain vibe and a certain feel that you want for that scene and the way mm-hmm. that you wrote it and the way that it was shot you know, you're like, okay, we need a perfect song to complement it. And sometimes there's not a song like that that exists. So you have mm-hmm. to make a custom song for that moment. So totally. it works out. And tell me how, um, what what kind of kind of details you can reveal around how these deals work. So if, if I show up to this writing camp um, and I write a song, um, I mean, you you alluded to it earlier on, on how some, some camps have a bad rap, uh, but... What can you break down is like if I write this song at this writing camp, does radio now own the song? Do you split publishing? Uh, is everything that created there a work for hire? Is this now signed to the radio label or publishing? Or kind of break down how, how all that works. Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I yeah. wish I can give you a, a, once, a one-stop shop answer for that, but it, sure. it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, 
So, you know, number one, what happens is if you come to the camp, you know, and we choose that song because there's some songs that don't get chosen and for sure. a variety of reasons. But if we choose that song, then number one, we pay you for that song. So we're going to pay you on the master side and we're going to pay you on the publishing side. Then depending on what we're going to use that song for. So if we're going to use that song as a sync placement in the show, then we'll give you another check on top of that. So now mm. you get a, a check for the sync. Um, and then if we're going to put it on our soundtrack, if, if the show has a soundtrack, then we're going to put it on our soundtrack, then we're going to pay you again. Mm -hmm. So in most instances, let's just say your song hits the trifecta, we choose it, it goes in the show, and it goes on the soundtrack, then that's three ways that you get paid. As far as ownership, it's, it's a mixed bag of how that works. You know, sometimes there's artists that come to our camps that are signed to major labels. Mm -hmm. So the ownership is split between um, us, radio, and the major label. If the mm -hmm. artist is independent, then we'll split ownership with the artist, okay. radio, and the artist. Um, some things that just like, you know, typically composing can be a whole other thing where we never touch the writing, the writing portion of it, where it's right. like you can keep the writing. But for the publishing, sometimes we'll just do an admin deal where it's like, okay, you can own everything, but we want to admin the rights to it, right? So, mm -hmm. be, and, the, and our thinking is, is that, you know, if we admin the rights to it, that gives us the opportunity to go out and pitch it because we might have brought you in for an opportunity for XYZ show mm -hmm. and maybe your song didn't make it for that show. But guess what? We're working on 20, 25 other projects right. so we could take that song and put it on another show. So it just gives us the flexibility to be able to find a home for your show. So mm -hmm. that makes it kind of ranges, but you know, in everything that we do, we try to be as fair as possible. That's great. And and yeah, essentially, you try to become a one stop for that song. So uh, any other shows that want to use the song, they can come to radio and you've already kind of pre cleared uh, all the rights to it. And so it's just it's one stop there. And, um, and yeah, that, that that makes sense. And that's great that um, kind of the artist is or the songwriters rather they're maintaining their their um songwriting and and adminning the publishing um you know that's that can be helpful and and any sync agency essentially or publishing company is going to uh have the rights and the license to uh, go out and license those songs um without having to check it each time that just for flexibility and and speed so that makes a Absolutely. lot of sense um, yeah, there's a lot of instances where, you know, even music supervisors, like if you make a music supervisor's job difficult in clearing a song, then they might move on. And, you yeah. know, we're experiencing that with a couple of shows that we're working on. So to your point, mm. yeah, when we're able to keep everything in-house and make sure we work out a fair deal with the creators, it's just helpful to get things done. Mm-hmm. Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. 
They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that for me at this point is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, DistroKid.com. Um, so there's a lot of artists... Uh, songwriters listening right now and they want to know how do they get invited to writing camps or how can they pitch their music to radio for all the various shows that you're working on what would you advise them to do you know it's a a lot of it is like word of mouth and just relationships that we have you know we might know the artist directly or we might know their manager or you know or we know one artist and they bring another artist so right now it's very um you know, kind of just industry facing in terms of like, it's just word of mouth. We are working on a system to where, you know, we're able to loop in and find those people that maybe, maybe they're not in LA. Maybe we don't know them. Mm -hmm. Um, We just haven't been able to, uh, to implement that yet, but that is coming. So at the moment, it's just, it's just based off of um, who we know and who knows us. Sure. Now that makes sense. Oh, but to that point though, we do throw a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, what do you want? What I guess contest is, is the best way to say it. But like, you know, we did a an event, we did a, a contest called the Sync Up, where we asked people, artists, to send us their music, and their music gets an opportunity to be featured on the shows that we're working on, and we make cool. sure we pay them and we invite them to a writing camp. So we've done some social media activations like that. Mm-hmm. We have one going on right now called the Radio Creators Program. And it's in partnership with Google, where basically we're asking uh, artists and we're asking composers to send us music. We had over 10,000 submissions wow. of people that sent us their music. The team filtered through it. And then we selected finalists and we paid them um, to create an EP. If, if they're an artist, then we pay them to create an EP um, where they uh, they um, they hold 100% ownership, retain 100% ownership. And then for the composers, we're working on them for them to collect to create a collection that mm. we can add to our library and then pitch for TV and film. Um, mm. So we do a lot of programs like that. And we have more programs coming, but I guess that's actually the answer to your question. Yeah, uh, and and I'm assuming following radio on Instagram is kind of the way to get to to hear about these opportunities. Absolutely. So yeah, we're cool. at the radio on mm. on all platforms: Instagram, Twitter, and you know, we're, we've done about three or four of these programs where we just put out a call to action and said, hey, guys, we're looking for music, we're looking for mm-hmm. artists, we're looking for talent, send us stuff. And there's always more programs on the way. And that's uh, at the R-A-E-D-I-O, just for people who are listening only right now and are trying to find it out. Um, cool. Uh, you mentioned a, a couple things there that I want to touch on. So radio also has a label component. Um, breakdown how that works and how many artists do you have as part of the label and what's the focus of it? For sure. So we have three artists signed to our label at the moment. Um, and the idea is that, again, we're just trying to champion the the next generation of, of artists that, that we believe in. Mm. Um, all artists have ownership of their masters that sign with radio. So that is a, a great Huge. point. Yeah. Yep. Um, we were in a, a, a joint venture with um, with Atlantic Records, and you know we're in the process of 
uh, signing another label deal at the moment. So um, the idea is, is simple. Find artists, mm-hmm. you know, put resources, financial backing behind them and mm-hmm. and hopefully make them the biggest that they can be. Um, at the moment, the three artists that we have are Timar, incredible incredible uh, singer-songwriter out of Boston. Mm-hmm. That's Timar, T-E-A-M-A-R-R-R. Uh, we have Josh Levi, who's an incredible, um, just pop global icon in the making, um, who's based out of Houston and we're working on his his uh, debut project at the moment. And then we have Incognita, who's an incredible rapper out of South Central, uh, who is one of our developing acts as well. So cool. we're just in the process behind the scenes, working on music with them, working on their stage presence, working on telling their story and doing all the things to take them to the next level. And did I see that Josh Levi is the voice of a, a character on a, a Disney boy band show uh, for what is it called? Yeah, so the show's <laughs> called Turning Red. Turning um, Red, okay. Yeah, it's on Disney uh, Disney Plus. Is, it, is uh-huh. that what? It's? Yeah, Disney Plus. Disney um, yeah, so it's Turning Red, and it's about uh, it's about it's actually it's a coming of age story about this girl in Canada, this Chinese uh, girl in Canada, mm. uh, who. Chinese Canadian or sorry, Chinese girl in Canada, we'll put it that way. Um, and she's uh she's just growing up and she's just one, just dealing with puberty and adolescence is the kind okay. of bottom line. But in the show, she follows this boy band called Four Town, and Josh Levi is uh she he's one of the singers in it. So um that's done well. That's like a lot of the songs are actually charting. So that's been incredible for him. Wow. Um, but yeah, that just shows like he's just a multi hyphen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw that uh Phineas was another uh one of the the uh four town uh members, is that right? Or did he have a hand in writing the song that was featured on it? You know, I don't know if Phineas was actually one of the one of the voices, but uh, both Phineas and Billie Eilish actually did all the music for the show. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I saw a tag somewhere way, that Josh was on. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I actually went to a Billie Eilish show last night, and it was incredible. So it's funny that we're actually having this conversation. Oh, right on. Um, where did you see Was it? Where is she playing? Oh, she was playing at the Forum. And okay, cool. Like, superstar. It's funny. When we were signing our, our first label deal um, with Interscope, I sat down with John Janik. John Janik is like the CEO of Interscope. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, you know, I have this this uh, girl. Her name is Billie Eilish. She's going to be the biggest artist next year. And at the time, I had never heard of her. Sure. And I went and listened, and I was like, oh, the, the music is great. And here we are. Fast forward three, four years later, here she is. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, very cool. Um, so with these three artists that you have um, on the label, I mean uh, – they maintain ownership, which is um, which is huge, and that's and that's uh, what every label should be doing these days. Um, and we're also I've been chatting with a few people uh, on the show where they're revealing that even some majors are are open to um, that uh, just just a licensing deal, not not even maintaining full ownership like in years past. Um, because because the DIYers and the independent artists are having. Um, I mean, they're taking the market share and they have more power and clout more than ever. Um, they have the um, capabilities to uh, run careers without the need and um, uh, of, of a major label. But at the same time, we all know that the labels can, can provide resources and support. And that's why so many independent labels are 
uh, so helpful and and can be excellent partners for artists. And it sounds like, you know, you bring on these artists that you want to partner with. And you mentioned that you're developing uh, like Incognita uh, as like a development artist, which is cool. Break that down to me. What a development, uh, what that means when you have a development artist or a client that uh, you're working with for development. We don't hear that term too often from labels anymore. And I'm curious what, what that means. Yeah, well, all of our artists, just to be clear, all of our artists are, are developing artists. Okay. Um, you know, I, I feel like when it comes to your craft, whether you're an artist in music or whether you're a business person, you're always developing because, mm-hmm. you know, you're developing to get to a certain point. And then once you get to that point, you're developing to get to the next point, mm-hmm. you know. So so I think that term for me, I kind of use it as just a, a general rule of thumb. But from a music industry standard, um, you know, developing Developing an artist means figuring out everything about that artist and figuring out how to package that artist, right? So it's okay, well, what's this artist's story? Does that what parts of the store of that artist's story is interesting? Okay, cool. Now that we've locked in on that, let, let's start selling that. Okay. What does this artist look like? What type of clothes are there? What's their style? You know, do they wear only a certain color? You know, I remember Janelle Monet when she first came out, she was wearing only white and black. And the story around that was because her parents, um, her parents like worked some jobs where they had a specific type of uniform. And I believe the uniform was white and black. And that's where she got her inspiration to only wear white and black. So little things like that people gravitate to, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you and I walk down the street and we just say, hey, like if I say, hey, I just wear white and black, people are going to be like, okay, whatever. But for some reason, because it's an artist, that's automatically like a selling point for the artist. Sure. And that there's a story behind it that she can reveal where that comes from. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. it's it's figuring out the storytelling, figuring out the style. Then most importantly, everything starts with the music. You know, the Mm -hmm. artist may come in and, and maybe they need vocal training. Maybe they don't. You know, you figure that out. Maybe they need to, like you said, Anderson Peck, you didn't know that he can dance. You know, maybe he's been working on that for a while. Mm -hmm. So figuring out their stage presence, figuring out their music. It's all of the things that can make an artist an artist. You kind of just strip it to the core and just start to build that up. Mm. That's great. Um, Now, of these artists uh, that you bring on to develop, um, what are you looking for in them that they have inherently? I mean, it's surprising to hear you say, Maybe they might need vocal training, or that the that you know uh, you're going to be working on the music. Like, what what are you looking for in an artist when you're going to decide to to work with them? Well, it, uh, it's a case by case basis. But the number one thing that I'm looking for is: Do you have a vision for yourself? Because mm. I can I can see a vision for almost everything. You know, like I'm on this podcast now, and I I can see a vision for the podcast. Sure. You know, but. <laughs> That's just me. That's just how I see things. So, mm-hmm. but if you, as the host of this podcast, don't have a vision for it, then my vision for it means nothing, right? Mm. So, when I look at an artist, do you have a vision for yourself? And if you have a vision for yourself, cool, explain mm-hmm. it to me, and then let's work on it. Let's build it. Maybe I could help you refine it, or maybe the vision is just perfect. You know, mm. we don't know. So, one, having a vision for for yourself, and then number two, the team what kind of team do they have? Because again, I know that I'm willing to put in the work and to, to do all the things that need to be done from my perspective, mm-hmm. but the other people that I'm going to be working with, are they willing to do 
what it takes to get you to the next level. Do they have the skill set? Do they have the knowledge base? Do they have the resources? Do they have the relationships? Mm -hmm. So vision, team, and then, um, you know, I, all of that mixed in with, obviously, you got to be a fan of the music. A lot of times the music is the first thing that you hear. So, you know, I, I kind of, I threw in music as the last thing, but really music is the first thing because the music is the first thing that you hear. You say, okay, I like this artist. I'm interested in seeing what they're about. And then that's mm -hmm. when you get into the other things. You check under the hood and you start to find out, okay, is this something that I want to work with or not? Well, yeah. And it, and it, the music also ties deeply and directly into uh, do they have a vision of who they are and where they're going? I mean, if, if you know, some of the artists that um, have really reached those heights um, are the ones that the music connects to the story and is is directly in line with who they are and what their vision is. Um, and that's oftentimes why there are some great pop writers out there songwriters out there where you can kind of lift those songs and place them on any of these artists where it doesn't necessarily it doesn't have that uh, identity but the the artists that lead generations that have movements uh their music deeply connects to what their mission is and who they are and what their vision is um and so that 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 can be very symbiotic um, no, you're you're absolutely right. You know, there's some artists who, you know, there's some artists who are like, I have to write everything and I have to everything has to come from me. And then there's other artists out there who are like, no, you can give me a song and I'll re-record it. I'll add my my sauce to it. So it kind of mm -hmm. just varies. Totally. Um, cool. So uh, you, you have uh, kind of the music supervision arm uh of radio you have the label arm um the uh you mentioned a, a library kind of a, a music library uh is that separate so it's almost i guess you have this music library which is almost kind of like a a, a one-stop sync uh uh catalog music library catalog um where do you find songs for that and kind of how do you use the library um, and and what are what what's kind of the focus of of this library? Well, for the library, um, yes, we do have a library, and the way that we do that is is a couple different ways. So, number one, um, we have a library of of, of tracks, um, some with vocals, some without vocals. Mm -hmm. Usually, what we do is we go out, and we find producers or composers, and we say, "Hey, we need a we need." a collection of music that sounds like this, right? So whether it's piano driven, whether it's mm. orchestral, whether it's hip hop, trap, Latin, whatever R&B, we go out and we build out those collections. And, and that's what we've been doing for the past couple of years. Uh, but then also in the library, we go out and we find artists and we represent them for sync representation. So mm. if you're an artist and you're, you're like, oh, you know, I want to get my film, my music on film and TV. I don't have the relationships or, you know, um, I don't have a publishing deal because a lot of times publishing companies will help you with this. Sure. You can come to us and we can start pitching your music for various projects because, again, we work on so many different projects that um, we're able to help, you know, get you in the door some places. And then mm -hmm. people, we've kind of made a name for ourselves as kind of a, um, a music music warehouse, if you will, okay. to where people can come to us and say, hey, I need music. Do you have anything for this? We just had a got a call from Nike and it was the same thing. It's like working on this project. Um, 
you know, this is the type of music that we need for it. And some of it, we were able to send them stuff. And then some of it, we we're like, hey, we may not have that, but we can go out and get someone to make it for you. So cool. it kind of varies, but um, but that's basically how we run our library. And, and in a lot of cases, someone may come to us for us to be the music supervisors for a show. And a lot of times, maybe we don't have the, the budget or the bandwidth to do it. And so we'll say, you know what, you need music. We can't be the full-time music supervisors for it, but we'll give you access to our library. Mm. So we set them up with our library and then they can go pull music and, and place it how they feel. And just to uh, clarify, the library, all the music in there is already cleared. Um, is it owned by radio or do you still license it if they, if you get a, um, when, it, when it comes time for the sync licensing aspect of it? Yeah, that depends as well. So for the artists that we represent for Sync, they own everything. Okay. Um, for the uh, music that when we go on commission music, then mm-hmm. we own it. But there's things set up like back end set up for the uh, composers and things like that. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so what's next for radio? What are you working on right now? So right now, you know, the focus is just building building out the business like there's there's a lot of moving parts and we're really just focused on optimizing it you know this year it's really about shoring up our label and making sure that the artists that we sign that we're supporting them to the fullest degree Mm -hmm. uh we just launched the podcast division we did a a multi-year deal with audible so we'll be coming out with new podcasts on a regular basis Mm -hmm. um and then uh, e-learning is is a big part of our business as well where we're going to start breaking down each part of our business the radio business we're gonna start breaking down each part of the music business and start mm. teaching them so think of it as radio's own version of masterclass, mm-hmm. um where you know we're going to teach you about music supervision and, and the different nuances of it teach you about a record label how to run it things to look out for publishing etc mm-hmm. um so that is the big initiative um initiatives for this year Oh, we got to link up and and uh, collaborate with Ari's Take Academy uh, on all the of what we're doing. Um, you know, we have a a sync licensing course taught by Vo Williams, um, who's arguably one of the most successful artists in the sync space. He's had over fifteen hundred placements on himself, and that's obviously a big. It's um, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> he was great, and uh, the both the Milwaukee Bucks and the Tampa Bay Lightning used his song for their entire season theme songs. The years that they both won the championships, um, oh, wow. and <laughs> and, uh, and then he performed at both of the championships. But um, education, obviously, I mean that's that's great to hear because that's you know paramount of what our focus is, and that's what empowers artists and the next generation of artists. Um, if they have the knowledge, uh, they can protect themselves, they can grow, and uh, hopefully they won't enter into predatory deals like in years past and they'll know how to make sure that they're protected and and that um they uh, you know they can get the guidance from the people in the industry who are looking to serve them and and help lift them up like radio is doing so that's that's really great to hear and it's it's also really nice to hear that that you have uh favorable terms it's kind of you're practicing what you preach and you have you know you're you're allowing your artists to keep the the master ownership on your label deals. And that's something that is nice to see kind of moving forward. It gives them freedom of movement and trust and respect and uh, dignity. And it's it's uh, kind of maintained across the board. So that's really, really great to hear. No, nice. thousand percent. I mean, we're creators, too, at the end of the day. Yes. You know, both Issa and I. So, you know, at the end of the day, we want to be, you know, 
we have to do good business um, and we want to make money and grow the business. Obviously, that's what we're in it for. But, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of people is the number one priority. It's awesome. Well, Benoni, this is great. It's it's so uh, exciting to hear everything that you're working on and, and great to hear uh, where your heart is with all of this. Um, and it's very encouraging. Uh, I have one final question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. Uh, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I will break it down in a couple different ways. Um, okay. Number one, uh, to make it in the music business, I, I want to work on projects that travel. And so what that means is when I walk into a coffee shop, like, I want to be working with the artist that's playing in the coffee shop. And I have yet to, I've, I've, I've been close to things that have happened where I'm like, Oh, they're playing my artist. It's similar to when an artist hears their song on the radio for the first time. Yeah, That's kind of, to me, that would be the moment where, I, or if I'm walking down the street and I see a person wearing a t-shirt and it says radio on a t-shirt mm-hmm. that to me, that's going to be like, okay, I made it. Um, I think that the other thing is, is just having respect for my peers um you know i want people my peers to say you know radio they really carved out something cool um, mm-hmm. benoni really did his thing in building that company so mm-hmm. so that's the other thing and then i think the third thing is is i want to own a moment and what i mean by that is is like where i grew up or how i grew up you know we looked up to certain things right in the music industry there were certain moments that you looked up to for instance motown right that's kind of like the granddaddy of them all like oh when motown was out they did this they did mm-hmm. that for me my generation it was a rough riders it was mm-hmm. um you know it was rockefeller records it was murder yep. inc you know so they had those yep. moments in that specific space where you're mm-hmm. like bad boy right mm-hmm. where it's like yo in their era they killed it you know yeah and so i want radio to have an era if you will so that's what we're working towards awesome Sounds great. Very exciting. Um, And uh, we'll be following your progress with all of that. And you'll have that moment. Benoni, thank you so much. Thank you. is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. Uh-huh.